Good morning and welcome. Thank you for being with us this morning. I'm so glad that you would take time out of your weekend to join us here at Malvern Hill. My name's Craig. I'm the senior pastor, and it is our privilege to have you with us as we've gathered together. Uh, I would, if you're a guest with us this morning, again, just thank you for being with us. If you have never filled out one of our guest cards, please do that. You can either tear it off of your bulletin, or you can fill it out online at malvernhill.org connect. It really helps us out as we try to uh, just know who was here. I'd just like to send you a letter, and thank you for attending with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be look the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, going to read just one verse in verse 6. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, in honor of God's Word as we read. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you and praise you, and I thank you for this Word. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us a longing, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, that we'd find our satisfaction in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. So we've been working our way through the Beatitudes, and this is a pivotal Beatitude. It, beatitude. it is, it is the, the, the hinge upon which the Beatitudes swing. The first three sort of lead us to this place, and then it's out of this Beatitude, this, this longing for righteousness, that the final three Beatitudes, or the, or the, the rest of the Beatitudes, are going to sort of spring so if you can imagine, we can't actually have a hunger and a thirst, a longing for righteousness until we first had a, a poverty of spirit, a, a willingness to acknowledge our own sin, until we've mourned over that sin even. And, and, and even as we continue in that process, until we've accepted somewhat of a, a position, a stature of meekness as we saw last week. And then from there, we find ourselves in this beatitude, longing, craving after righteousness. And so the other beatitudes sort of had to do with our personal life. After this, we're going to see that sort of a switch, and the beatitudes are going to have to do with how it is that we live this Christian life out in the presence of other people. So this morning, as we think about these beatitudes, our retrained desires to get to the place of, of being a person who would crave, who would long, who would seek after righteousness... Uh, we find ourselves here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And I find myself being reminded. So yesterday, I, um, this is what my breakfast and lunch consisted of yesterday. It sounded like this when I was preparing my meals yesterday. It sounded like this. I don't know if y'all know anything about this. Um, it sounds about as good as it tastes, just like that, right? Not, not exactly enjoyable. Um, and uh, I had this for breakfast, and I had one of these for lunch, and I had one of these for a snack. And here's what I knew through the process of that. I knew that inside of uh, that little shaker at my house, I knew that there was plenty of calories to get me through the day. I knew there was plenty of protein to get me through the day. I also knew that I was 100% unsatisfied with what I was doing to get through my day. You ever been there? Right? So uh, I knew that every time that I drank one of these, it was about 500 calories. I knew that it was about 40 grams of protein. And I knew that every time I walked past the pantry, I wanted to open that door and find all of the potato chips and eat them all. You ever been there? Like, like I, I knew that I was getting what I needed, and I was doing okay with it, to be totally honest. So I walked through the kitchen at one point yesterday, and the kids had a pizza spread out on the countertop. And I walked through, and even knowing that I had received plenty of calories and, and plenty of protein, I still wanted what was on that countertop, okay? I, I was strong. I don't tell you I enjoyed it, but I did survive it. That's kind of what we get to, right? Well, as we think about the Christian life, a lot of it has to do with retraining 
our desires. In other words, finding ourselves in a situation or a position where we have trained or retrained our desires so that we no longer desire and crave the things of the world, but instead we're desiring and craving, we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So this morning, with that in mind, I want to look at three things that I believe are imperative from this passage of Scripture. And I want you to know that what Jesus is calling us to do is unnatural. And when I say unnatural, what I mean is it is against our flesh. Jesus commands us to seek after righteousness. And yet, we also know from God's Word that there is none of us who does good, not even one. None of us are righteous in and of our own strength. What Jesus is calling us to is something that He is going to bring us through. He is calling us to pursue righteousness, and He is empowering us to do it. And that's the privilege that we have. So three things I want us to see as we think about this question. What do you really want? Not what do you need. Not what are you telling people you want. But what do you really want? Because until we're ready to desperately seek after Jesus, we're not going to find what we desperately need need. Three things. First thing this morning is I want you to take a long look in the mirror. Now, uh, if, if you've been here for the sermons over the last several weeks, you're going to see that there's some repetitiveness, repetitiveness to these messages. Because for us to live the life that Christ has called us to requires us often to sort of do the same things over and over and over again in different sorts of ways. In other words, if I'm going to live a life that is pursuing His righteousness, if I'm going to live a life that is, that is wrapped up with mourning over my own sin, with poverty over my own spirit, with meekness towards the world around me, it's going to require me to regularly take long looks in the mirror, to, to consider who I am, to really wrestle with my own sin nature, with my own desires. To be honest about the fact that I am often, almost always even, my own worst enemy. And to note that many of the things in my life are not somebody else's fault. Do you know how difficult it is for us to take responsibility for that? We always want to find somebody else to blame. I'm a parent. I get it. I love to say that my kids made me mad. I love to say that. But you know the truth of the matter, don't you, parents? I'm sorry, kids, I'm, I'm going to let y'all in on a secret. You didn't make them mad. You might have been the biggest jerk in the world, but they chose to get mad. Like, that's our decision. Now, as parents, we like to put all that on our kids. You didn't. No, no, Mom. No, Dad. You made that choice, right? We make that choice as parents. Now, kids, y'all made the choice to be a jerk. That's your problem. Um, and it's because their mamas, their mamas invest in them, and we dads are trying our best just to give all we can. You know, it's hard. Uh, some of y'all didn't laugh. And ladies didn't laugh because you didn't like it. And you men didn't laugh because y'all are afraid because you're sitting beside your wives. Quit being scared, men. It's time. We've got to rise up. We've got to take this look in the mirror, though. We've got to be honest. Look, you are the accumulation of your choices. That's not fun to hear. Now, I want to be open and honest about the fact that some of you are the accumulation of some choices that have been made for you against your own desires. Some of you have had some pretty terrible things to happen to you, and as a result of things like growing up in terrible poverty or maybe experiencing abuse, you're also the sum of those things that have happened to you. But y'all, more than anything else, we are the choices that we make. And you got to be honest about that. Some of y'all are still busy blaming the whole world for who you are and what happened to you. Okay? Even if something horrible has happened to you in your life, you still have the opportunity to, to choose how you respond to it. 
You get to make that decision. It doesn't make it easy, but you do get to make the decision about how it is that you're going to respond. Right? And, and, and so when I wake up today, I decide how I'm going to live my life. And by those choices that I'm going to make day after day, next year I'm going to be the sum of the decisions I made to live daily. And if I choose to live daily for Christ, then next year I can be a little bit more like Jesus. But if I choose to live daily for me, then guess what? Next year I'm going to look a little bit less like Jesus and a little bit more self-absorbed, a little bit more, um, a, a little bit more um, unkind probably, a little less meek, right? We, we've got to make these decisions now, can I just be honest? Some of you aren't godly or growing in godliness because you're unwilling to make decisions. Some of you aren't growing in godliness because you're just unwilling to put in the work. I know, I know that's mean. I get it, right? But it's true. Sometimes we just have to speak truth. And you may not be growing in godliness not because of all the things that are happening to you but because you're just not willing to get up 10 minutes earlier and spend some time in the Word of God. And you're not willing to get up 10 minutes earlier because you're not willing to turn your phone and your TV off and go to bed 10 minutes earlier. Listen to me. Who you are does not have to determine who you'll be. Who you are doesn't have to determine who you will be. But the only thing that shifts that is if you're willing to take Christ up on the promises that he's made for you on your behalf. The great thing about the sacrifice that Jesus... The great thing. One of the great things about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross is that He forgives our sins and He makes us brand new. And so whatever I've done, wherever I've been, whoever I even am today, doesn't have to be who I am tomorrow or next year or for the next 10 years. I get to be that which Christ has created me to be if I will live into His expectation and His commands for my life. And you get the same thing. It's a wonderful privilege. Jesus doesn't just say, Blessed are those who, more, who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. He then went and died on a cross to forgive you for your sins and to earn for you the righteousness that you could never have. Do you understand? Jesus did it all for you. And folks, we got to be willing to look in the mirror and ask the question, am I walking into that righteousness, walking into that grace gift, walking into that joy and that privilege? You can't get there until you want to take a long look in the mirror and determine where you are. you got to be honest. You've got to be honest about where you are. Y'all, some of you have been living a lie for far too long. And, and, and the time has arrived for you to look seriously within your own heart and your own life. Before you can figure out what you're going to be, you've got to determine what you are, who you are, and where your desires are. Take a long look in the mirror. Second thing, decide what you should desire. Decide what you should desire. You can't become the person God intends for you to be until you've made conscious decisions about what you will desire. Those who will hunger and thirst after righteousness can become righteous because their desires become rightly oriented. You know, again, some of you just aren't growing because you're just unwilling to redirect your desires. Listen to this. The person you need to be is in the choices you refuse to make.
The person that God intends for you to be is in the choices that you refuse to make. There's a degree of personal responsibility that comes along with our desire. And, and I'm not telling you that making these choices is always easy or fun. I'm telling you that sometimes we do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because it's an enjoyable thing. This is what we are called to do. Jesus did the right thing when it was hard. Matter of fact, he did the right thing when it was the hardest thing that's ever been known. What did he say? Lord, not my will, but yours be done. But Lord, if you could take this from me, that would be amazing. I don't want to drink this cup. Man, some of y'all can't find a way to drink the cup of just having a clean mouth and a clean thought life. And Jesus is willing to drink the cup of dying on your behalf. Decide what you should desire. Listen, we can be so full of the world that we're just really not hungry for anything. I like how De Daniel Doriani put it this way. He said, we are so well-fed and well-watered that the metaphors of hunger and thirst have lost their potency. Man. Y'all ever walked in? Let's, let's not accuse y'all. Let's say, have you ever known somebody? Let's make it nice, right? That ruined their dinner. Right? Moms, don't you love this when you've worked really diligently to get a meal ready and your kids walk in and they're like, oh, I'm not hungry. Isn't that great? Doesn't it thrill your soul? Isn't it wonderful? It's like, why aren't you hungry? Well, I, we stopped by the store and got a bag of potato chips on the way home and ate them. And you're like, oh, well, that's wonderful. I just slaved over this fine meal and none of you want to eat it. It's great. It's the best thing in the whole wide world, right? Y'all, spiritually, that's where so many of us are. We are just engorging ourselves on the things of the world. And so we find ourselves coming to the Word of God and, and we're so full on the junk that the world offers that we just don't want any of it. We don't need it. We're not hungry. Angela makes coffee at night. It's our patterns, our, our, our thing, right? I think I've told this to you guys. So we have a, a system worked out. She makes it, sets the timer, and we go to bed. I wake up before she does. I go downstairs, I pour my coffee, I pour her coffee, and I go back upstairs and I carry it with two cups just like this. I look so cute trying not to spill it all over the stairs as I walk up, right? And I leave hers for her for whenever she decides to dally out of the bed and I drink mine. Um, and so that, that's, that's our system. She makes it, I deliver it. It's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty great system of how we go about doing this. Um, but I woke up uh, a few days ago, when, one morning this week. You ever had that morning when like every little thing could go wrong, goes wrong? That's what it was for me that morning. I got up and it was like, this is bad and that's bad and that's bad. And I had to go down to the kitchen and, and, and do something while I was in there. And, and I was finishing up. I was spending about five minutes in the kitchen doing something I needed to do. And then I go to pour the coffee and there's no coffee. The, the, the coffee pot was 100% empty. It was, it, was, it was awful. And I realized what had happened is, 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 is she had made the coffee, but she just didn't flip the switch. She had done all the things except turn it on. And I was a little frustrated with her, but then I was really frustrated with me for being so dumb because I've been in the kitchen long enough for the coffee to have made. You understand? Like I had been in the room with the coffee pot for five minutes, didn't even notice that the coffee wasn't made. Okay, uh, and, and as a result, like, here I am, like, hey, moron, if you'd have just flipped the switch, you could have coffee. It would be great. Do you know why I enjoy coffee in the morning? Because I hadn't had any in, like, 16 hours. It really is a long time because if I drink it after, like, 5 o'clock, like, I ain't nobody sleeping. Um, but I get up, and I'm like, sweet, there is that pot of just black gold waiting for me every single morning. 
And I pour it, and it's just so wonderful. And I, 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 I'm excited about it. And when it's good coffee, man, I'm really excited about it. When's the last time we just got so excited for the things of the Lord? I mean, seriously, like you just couldn't wait to get out of bed and to jump into the things. Y'all, we've got to make a decision that that is what we want to have, that we want to desire it. But, but that, that, that desire for, for righteousness is not just a personal thing. It is that. There's the personal aspect of righteousness, the sanctification. Right? There's this forensic aspect of our righteousness. That's our justification. Jesus died. And he exchanges his wonderful, sinless, righteous self for our horrible, sinful selves. And we get his righteousness forensically, which is an incredible gift of God's grace. There's a a social aspect to our righteousness that we are hungering and thirsting for there to be justice in our community, for people to be cared for and taken care of, for things to be done right. And so I I notice injustice when it takes place, and it it burdens me, and I desire to see that better. That's a hungering and a thirsting. And there's a a cosmic thirsting and hungering for, for Christ to return and to make all things new. How in the world... Can I find myself at a place where I'm growing in these desires? Y'all, our proper desires are discovered through our delight in the Lord. Psalm 37, 4 says, If you delight yourselves in the Lord, He will grant you the desires of your heart. Do you want to find joy? Do you want to hunger and thirst for the things the Lord desire them? The psalmist says you got to get with Jesus you got to get with the Lord. So this is where things get a little bit complicated. I don't know that they're complicated. They're just unenjoyable. How about that? Challenging. Many of you are sitting around waiting for you to feel godly. And once you feel godly enough, you'll start pursuing the things of the Lord. You're not going to feel that way. Right? You're not. Nobody ever woke up and said, Man, I think today is the day I feel like, you know, only eating a third of the calories I've been consuming, and today's the day I'm going to enjoy a diet and I'm going to lose weight. Nobody ever did that. People get up and they go, I'm going to start doing this because it's the thing that needs to be done. And then after a while, they're like, man, I like broccoli. I asked in the first service, how many of y'all, y'all like broccoli? Seriously. Hands go up. Okay. In the first service, I don't think there was a single hand that went up that was over the age of 14. Matter of fact, most of them were, were like over the age of 40. So welcome to old, right? Uh, very few people just taste broccoli and go, man, this is great. I love it, right? But what you do is you begin to say, hey, these are the healthy foods I should eat, and you start eating them, and after time, your taste buds shift, and they change. You begin to desire good things. Some of you are like, I don't even like broccoli. Listen, we got teenagers over here that will eat a hot dog instead of a ribeye. They don't have their taste buds trained. You understand? I mean, I'm just being honest. We got some really dumb kids. I'm sorry, guys. It's just true. Like get just Pastor Craig, I don't want a steak. Could you just get a hot dog and cut it up in little pieces for me? Um, y'all got to grow up. It's big, right? But we there's there's this this desire that gets trained within us. You're not desiring the things of the Lord not because Jesus hasn't done His work in your life. Oftentimes, the desire is going to follow the habit and not the other way around. You're waiting to feel godly so that you can then pursue the Word of God. People say, I just don't feel godly enough to read the Bible. Let me tell you something. Start reading it and watch what it does to you. 
I don't feel good, godly enough to pray. You're not, but start praying and see what it does to you. Folks, you're, you're not growing in godliness because you're not pursuing the Lord. You're not growing in righteousness because you're not pursuing the Lord. And you've got it backwards. You believe that once you get righteous enough, then you'll desire the things of God. That's not the way this is going to work. You're going to have to discipline yourself, and that's just a true word. Discipline yourself, do the right thing because it is the right thing. There's a degree of mental toughness that we just need to have as followers of Christ that says, I'm going to do the right thing because it is the right thing, and I'm going to trust that as I do those right things, I'm going to begin to look more like Jesus and to crave and desire the things of the Lord. In other words, as I spend time with Him, I'm going to delight with Him, and as I delight with Him, He's going to change the desires of my heart. What's that mean? That means you've got to get after it, right? You've got to get after it. You can't tell me I'm really trying to grow in godliness and you're not doing anything to grow in godliness. I'm trying to pursue righteousness and you're not doing anything to pursue in righteousness. There's work involved. The greatest work was accomplished by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. The only reason you can even do these things is because Jesus has made a way and he's empowered you to be able to do it. So get after it, right? It's, it's, it's just time that we decide what we should desire and then I'm going to run after it even when I don't feel like it. Any of you ever had a goal? I, I, I asked uh, somebody recently. Um, they said, wow, I'd, I'd done something dumb, and, and, uh, or they thought it was dumb. It's just like some weight stuff. And then why do you do that? I said, what? have you ever had a goal? It was one of our younger kids. I go, no, I never have. I was like, man, we're failing you miserably. Like, you need goals in life. But I mean, if you ever had a goal in life, I don't. Whatever the goal was, when you set that goal, getting to achieve that goal meant that you there was a, a lot of steps you had to take between here and there that you didn't want to take, but you took the steps not because the steps were enjoyable, because the goal was where you were trying to get to. This is what it is to pursue righteousness, to hunger and to thirst after righteousness, to grow in godliness. It's to recognize that my goal is to be with Jesus and to look more like Jesus and to be okay with the fact that in the midst of that process, I'm not always going to enjoy every step of the way. That saying no to my fleshly desires is going to be uncomfortable, it's going to feel unnatural, and I'm not going to love it, but it is going to be worth it because I'm saying yes to the desires that Christ says I should have. And over time, those desires are going to shift. When I was a freshman in college, I played football for a little while at Presbyterian College, and when I was a freshman in college, we were in spring practice, and um, so they would, they would try to kill us in the afternoons, and they'd wake us up at like 5 o'clock in the morning for team meetings. And they'd take you into a meeting room, and they'd turn off all the lights, and they'd turn on a projector, and they would yell at you about what you did right or wrong. Mostly they just yelled at you about what you did wrong in the dark for like 45 minutes at seriously like 6 o'clock in the morning. So you practice for three or four hours in the afternoon. You walk in the next morning. You're exhausted. They turn the lights off. They turn on the projector, and they work through one at a time. You know, you did this, da, 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 you did this, da, and, and, and y'all don't know if you can imagine, but I was tired. And I, began, I, I kept nodding off in the meetings and nodding off in the meetings and nodding off. And finally, I nodded way on off in a meeting. And uh, one of my coaches discovered that I had nodded way on off in a meeting. And that coach said to me, he said, Thompson, I said, yes, sir. He said, if you fall asleep in one of my meetings again, you'll wish you never did. 
And, and so I had, I had a goal in life. You know what my goal was? My goal was to never fall asleep in that meeting again. That is when I discovered a love for coffee. Up to that point in my life, I never drank coffee. Like, what I need y'all to know is I didn't start enjoying coffee because I thought, hey, this looks good. No, no, this guy said, I'm going to make your life miserable. I went and bought coffee in a coffee pot, and I figured out how to make it work. And, uh, and, and so uh, if, my, if I had to be there at 6, I'd get up in the morning, I'd turn it on, I'd lay back in the bed while the coffee made, and I'd get up and I'd, I'd drink as much of that just to get me through. Like, we all have things in life that are like that. Whatever it is to get me to the goal that I have. Y'all, our goal is righteousness and a hungering and a thirsting after the things of the Lord. Decide what you should desire, and once you decide what you should desire, do this. Find satisfaction in Jesus. How? Number one, listen to me. Be confident in the forgiveness of your sins. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're a, if you are a child of Jesus Christ, when you called upon the name of the Lord and He saved you, He forgave you for your sin. I want you to know that. I want you to know that on the cross of Calvary, Jesus died to forgive you for all of your sin. And I want you to live confidently in that. I don't want you to stick your chest out and walk around proud. And I want you to live with confident gratitude in this God who saw you in this sinful estate and saved you. I don't want you to question it. I don't want you to doubt it. I want you to know objectively true. That Jesus Christ saved you from your sin. I don't want you to listen to Satan's whispers when he tells you that he couldn't have forgiven that much sin. There is no sin so great that Jesus Christ cannot, did not, and will not overcome it. This is the power of Christ. When we talk about finding satisfaction in Jesus, I want you to be confident in the power Of our dead, buried, and risen Lord. He died to save you from your sin. And he rose from the grave showing that he has power over death, hell, sin, and the grave. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father today interceding on our behalf. This is the King of kings and he's yours and mine. See, this is a, a sermon that can just be burdensome. I mean, I'll just be honest, as I was preparing this message this week, I was overwhelmed by the reality that this is a, a, a task that I don't live up to, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't ever go hungry and thirsty, you know? I mean, I, 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 I don't just crave it as I should. And I was just overwhelmed. And, and the reality is I could preach this message in such a way that this word is just a, a bludgeoning to it. I could beat you into submission over the fact that Christ has called us to this. But I don't want to beat you into submission. I want to lift you up to a place where you appreciate the fact that what he's called you to do, he's empowered you to do. Because he has forgiven you for your sin. I want you to be satisfied in him. And I want you to know that when he tells you to do something, he's giving you the ability to accomplish it. But the other part of finding satisfaction in Jesus is this. I, I want you to find satisfaction in Christ's invitation to conformity. I recognize that that's kind of a weird sentence. So let me explain just a little bit. It's, it's the, the righteousness that you've been called to is the answer for your longings. And the righteousness to which you've been called 
this holiness, if you will, this godliness, that to which you have been called feels alien to our natural selves. And the world around us will do its best to convince us that the righteousness that we've been called to is a straitjacket that constricts us of our freedoms. It constricts us of the opportunity to pursue joy. But increasingly, I am convinced that the righteousness to which Christ has called us is not a straitjacket. It's, like, it's more like the family outfit or the team uniform. And, and when Christ redeemed you and welcomed you into his family, he said, here are your clothes. You get to fit in. Yesterday, so baseball season has started, and for baseball parents, we're all like, ugh. You know, it's like, oh, all the sports. Um, some of y'all are like, no, I, mine's so cute. Y'all, y'all, y'all still in T-ball. Y'all can get over that in a little while, and y'all be with me, right? Um, you will, I promise. Y'all, uh, somewhere at the end of April, some of y'all are going to walk out, and you're going to say, Pastor Craig, I judged you when you said that, but you were right, and I'm sorry. And I'll just hug you, and we'll have a moment together. So just know I'm here for you. Uh, we'll have a little support group. But we were at the baseball field forever yesterday, it felt like, uh, with a few things that were going on. And, uh, but there was this little boy running around. I don't know who he was. He was a little guy. Um, and he had on this little button-up jacket. And uh, it, was, it was royal blue with gold sleeves. I mean, I saw him, and I don't know who he was, but he was my people. Like, straight away, I knew that kid. We were going to be like this if I'd have had to talk to him. And the reason is because... I knew his outfit. See, his little jacket looked exactly like my letter jacket in high school. I graduated from the greatest high school in the state of South Carolina, Broom High School. And, and our letter jackets were royal blue with gold sleeves. And so when I was in high school, because I'm old, we all wore our letter jackets. Everybody was an athlete wore a letter jacket. Everybody lettered had a letter jacket. Do you have a letter jacket? That's good, otherwise I'm going to call you a loser. Um, so, uh, but we, we all had our letter jackets and, and um, you know, royal blue with gold sleeves. And when you, when you lettered in a sport, you got your letter and you went and you wore your jacket. We had a guy I went to high school with, he was so proud of his, he wore it in the summer and rolled the sleeves up. I would not encourage that, it's not a good move, not cool. Um, but you know what? We all had on the same jacket and none of us felt constricted by that. As a matter of fact, it was just the opposite. Man, if I was walking down the street and I looked over and I saw that letter jacket, I knew that was my people. I mean, so much so that yesterday morning, some little dude that's probably four years old rolls up with a jacket that looked just like my letter jacket, and I said, that's my people right there. Man, you got initiated, you got the jacket, you fit in. Y'all, when we are conformed to Christ and we're clothing ourselves in Christ's righteousness, it's not a straitjacket that constricts us. It's the uniform of the family. And when I see that, I know I'm not alone. When I see that, I know those are my people. That's my family. That's my brother. That's my sister. I don't have to be afraid. The whole world knows who I am, and that's all right, because Jesus knows who I am, and that matters more than anything else. Y'all, when we read these passages in the Beatitudes, and they're heavy and they're burdensome, it feels like. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
the righteousness that Jesus offers to us are the clean clothes of his family. The uniform, not to constrict us, but to give us the freedom that we have always desired. See, the righteousness you've been called to is the answer to your longings. He's the home for your homelessness. He, he, he's the, the, the eternal answer for those eternal longings within your heart. C.S. Lewis famously said that Christ offers all these wonderful things for us and we're just sitting by the seaside playing in mud pies. Man, so often we're just playing in the dirt. And Christ is offering us the riches of heaven and the riches of heaven are found in this pursuit of Righteousness. So in conclusion this morning, the question ultimately is just this. What do you really want? Not, not what do people think you want. Not what have you said you want. What do you really want? Some of us do a really good job putting up a good front for the whole world to think a particular thing about us. Maybe you've been lying to yourself and lying to everybody else long enough. But the question is, what do you really want? Do you really desire righteousness? Do you really pursue holiness? Jesus is enough, and He desires to meet you at the point of those needs. But there's some of you, no doubt, here who don't have a relationship with Jesus, and my question is simply, are you, do you really want more than this world has to offer? Do you want it? If Jesus is willing to meet you at the point of your need, what are you waiting for? Let me tell you a cool thing about Jesus. Some of you have tried everything this world has to offer. Everything. You made all the money, it didn't do you any good. You had the relationships and they didn't fix it. You had the friendships and they weren't good enough. You had the boat and the car and those didn't give you the joy you longed for. Maybe you've tried the drugs and the alcohol route. Maybe you've done that and it wasn't good enough. And some of you are sitting around going, there's nothing left but Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you. If you come to me and you say, Craig, I tried everything else and all I got left is you, I'd be pretty offended about that. Let me tell you, the grace of Christ, even at the end of your rope, when you've tried everything else, He's still ready to receive you, to take you in and to make you His own. So do me a favor this morning. If what you really want is peace and joy and satisfaction, you really want hope in eternal life and forgiveness for your sin. Do me a favor. Don't worry about what you've done. Don't worry about where you've been. Just be honest with who he is and what he'll do. And if you want Jesus, let me assure you, he is ready and willing to take you today and to save you from your sin and to redeem you and to set you on a path is completely different than you've ever imagined. As we sing this morning, I encourage you to respond. I would love to pray with you this morning and introduce you to Jesus. Perhaps some of you would just like to come and pray today and say, Jesus, I've not, I've not hungered and thirsted after righteousness. I've pursued my own selfish ends. 
Today, Lord Jesus, I pray that you change my desires. However it is that God is working as we pray, I encourage you to respond. Would you pray with me this morning? Father in heaven, I thank you for loving us. Lord, I'm so grateful that Jesus has made a way for us to pursue righteousness because he has made us righteous. Thank you that he's taken away my sin and that he extends that same opportunity for all who would call upon his name. Lord, I pray you move among us today. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with us this morning as we sing. And y'all respond as the Lord leads.